So well, one thing I think we, we try to do really well is not get stuck in the churn. You know, our decision-making process has just been um, fine-tuned, but more or less the same. We, you know, shifted internal resources, pulled back on cash, pulled back on certain marketing investments, and, you know, really took a big step back and said, okay, you know, we, there's a lot of uncertainty. What do we know is working and how do we lean into that? Welcome to the 100 CEO Project Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the 100 CEO Project. You know, I still remember the first time I received something from Type A. It was a small flyer with this really distinct packaging, and I'd never seen anything like it before. And I actually am a person who uses natural deodorants because I have significant maternal history of breast cancer in my family. And so if you aren't familiar with the products, they have this really sophisticated design, which I loved because so many deodorant and antiperspirant brands have this weird, outdated kind of basic look to them. And they just never spoke to me as a personal care brand when I use them and just not something I identified with. And so I also love the name because I also have a type A personality and that is not always celebrated. So today we are welcoming to the show Allison Moss, the founder and CEO of Type A Brands, who today is making much, much more than just an award-winning safe deodorant. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you have had a really tumultuous year and you've shepherded type A through the pandemic crisis where deodorant as a category has taken a big hit. Can you share some of the challenges you've overcome and then also some of the unexpected wins that surprised you this year? Absolutely. Yeah, it um, certainly, I think for everybody has been a challenging year in many different ways. Um, for us, we are a deodorant business and we are a young business. We're two and a half years old. So, you know, our challenges were sort of just unique to our own circumstance and our category. Um, I think a few broad strokes on the challenges from a sales perspective, and this was again, very unique to our business, but impacted by how the category, you know, was affected by COVID we were growing quite rapidly and in Q1 of 2020 started to make a big shift to retail. We were actually really excited and fortunate to be able to bring our sort of clean, no sacrifice deodorant to the mainstream with a big launch at Target. And, you know, with resource allocations um, and priorities shifting to really focus on that Target launch and, you know, prioritize retail kind of over online, when the pandemic hit and everything shifted to online that, you know, put us kind of on our heels and we had to pivot really quickly to say, okay, how are we going to continue to support retail, but also how do we sort of rethink our channel mix and lean into online, which was for very obvious reason is sort of dominant during the early days, I think still to, to, to now during the pandemic. So that was sort of one broader challenge and, you know, circumstance of, of 2020, um, what what we did, we you know, shifted internal resources, pulled back on cash, pulled back on certain marketing investments, and you know, really took a big step back and said, okay, you know, we, there's a lot of uncertainty. What do we know is working, and how do we lean into that? And you know, we did a couple of things, you know, so, somewhat more tactically on a channel level. For example, for D to C, we you know said we need to really manage this channel to break even, and let's take this opportunity to actually, you know, make sure we have all the fundamentals in place operating the best that way that we can. Invest in, you know, 
the continued optimization of our retention programs. Um, you know, definitely work, uh, and that, that's been very great and it's really starting to pay off for us. Um, work on the website experience in the UX and optimize our conversions and optimize the user flow and journey and figure out from a product bundling perspective what's working and lean into that more. So this has been a really, you know, as we look back on 2020 and look ahead to 2021, a year where we've, I think, learned a lot and we you know, made a lot of changes to flex with what was happening in a very dynamic marketplace, and then take those learnings and, you know, figure out and, and apply them for 2021 so we can be more efficient and more productive as we go into the next year. Um, so that was sort of, that's one way that we were challenged in 2021, in 2020. Um, you know, some, uh, I'll pause there actually. <laughs> I'm interested in that sudden shift because suddenly you're managing in crisis. It's different than probably it was before everything went crazy. So how did you shift your decision-making? How did that change? How did we shift our decision-making? We shifted our decision-making. Our process didn't really change, um, but I'll share what our process has been. We're a startup. We're, we're always, we, we've been um, sort of in flexible, nimble mode from day one. And I think fortunately, we were sort of already in that mindset when the pandemic hit. And so it was very natural for us as a team, for, for me as a leader and us as an executive team and a larger team, and we're still really small, so larger team is relative, um, for, for us to come together and say, you know, it, it's, it, it's very much kind of what I was saying before, what's working, what's not working. And, you know, also go and talk to all of the other friendly brands and, and, you know, people in our network that maybe have been through something like this before. This pandemic was very unique, but there have been downturns in, you know, business on a cyclical basis, as we know. So, you know, what have we, what would we want to take in terms of lessons learned from the 2008 downturn um, and what might not apply here? And so really it was just a lot of conversation with people who either had experienced something like this before, or, you know, trusted other brands in our network and say, Hey, what are you doing? And then, you know, filtering that very quickly and being very decisive. So what, one thing I think we, we try to do really well is not get stuck in the churn. So there's, you know, it's very easy to, um, when you don't have a lot of data to, to make it sort of difficult to make a decision. Um, and as a young brand, that's um, a problem that, you know, we experience because we don't, don't have historical precedence for how our product will react in when something happens in the market. Um, and so, you know, we have to make a lot of decisions based a little bit more on gut, which is always, I think, challenging. Um, or at least if you're sort of a, a data-driven, I've been, I've been brought up to be, a, you know, my, my career started in marketing and it's always been sort of very much fundamentally driven by, by data, um, which is great, but it's a balance. So I think, you know, our decision-making process has just been, um, you know, maybe fine-tuned, but more or less the same. We were fortunate in a couple of ways going into the pandemic. Another way was with remote work. Half of our team was already remote when we were, went into the pandemic. So we were somewhat used to some of that, um, that just, just the, the support system that you need. But then we also said, okay, how, you know, now that we're all remote and we're all dealing with something that's kind of really emotionally heavy, what else do we need to do? We you know, put, um, you know, biweekly all hands, you know, Zoom meetings in place so that we all see each other twice a week. I think we talk more on Zoom now than we did 
before, but it was just a, an evolution, um, not a start from scratch, which was helpful for us. Got it. Because you've had some really senior positions in beauty companies from L'Oreal and Jolique. Um, so how is running a startup different and how did those, how, was it easier now this year? Um, startup in this environment? <laughs> Uh, nothing's easy, but that's what makes it fun. Um, yeah, no, I, I have, you know, I've been in the beauty industry for 20 years, um, worked with, with big brands and with smaller brands, but certainly not to this, not in a startup format, the way we are here from the ground up. Um, the benefits of a startup are things that actually helped us a lot this year. And that does, and that, and that really comes back to kind of that flexibility and um, willingness to pivot. I think when you're a startup, uh, you need to, you know, really be taking the temperature, even after you've sort of identified if there's product market fit, you have a product, you put it out there, it's resonating with people, you're still learning. We've optimized our packaging design twice um, and, and not dramatically, but nuances that help the product present better on shelf that tell people information that they needed to know that wasn't maybe in the first round. So things like that. And that's, you know, sort of not a 2020 example, but maybe a relevant example of, you know, you're, you're in this mindset of continually trying to optimize what's working, take learnings and apply them to improve. And you're still very much in growth mode. And so right in the pandemic, that was what we had to do. There was a very sudden dramatic change to the market and everybody's lives. And then we were all, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and um, our shopping behaviors, you know, changed on a dime and, 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 and again, very dramatically. So, you know, we're, we're sort of used to saying, okay, what's working, what's not working, how can we pivot? What can we do differently? One great example is um, pandemic hit. We see, you know, a surge in sales of hand sanitizer and soap. And we had, some future product development planned for 2021 and beyond. And we said, how can we help in this pandemic? What can we, we don't know what's gonna to happen to deodorant this year. People will still wear it. They are still wearing it. Incidence of use is down, but forgetting that, what can we bring forward that would both serve our customers and the greater community and also serve our business? And so, you know, with our network and, you know, our expertise as a collective team in the beauty industry, we were able to really quickly activate and bring out a hand sanitizer and not just any hand sanitizer, but a hand sanitizer we were proud of that's really nourishing, that's lightweight, that's that doesn't, you know, have that, you know, severe drying effect a lot of the others have um, very quickly within, you know, a month and a half. And, you know, securing the bottles and the, the, the materials and getting that all to happen that quickly was, um, was definitely a feat. And we're really proud of that. And then we brought a bar soap out later this year. And that's also, you know, trying to deliver um, another product focused on clean. So some of those pivots are things that, you know, also as a startup, there's no red tape. Like we didn't have to go through five series of approvals, corporate approvals to, to be able to, to launch these new products. We just did it. We did it at our standard and the way we thought it was right. And then hopefully that's well-received. It has been well-received so far by, by our customers. So Allison, you talked about not just uh, pivoting this year and creating some new products, but also taking a different type of risk, if you will, around financing and funding and also about new hires. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of those decisions? Absolutely. I think first on the funding piece, um, 
one of the one of the greatest lessons for me as I reflect back on 2020 and I think about um, again, you know, what have we what have we learned and how can we you know apply that going forward? But what have we learned? Right when the pandemic hit, and, and with great advice and counsel surrounding me from investors and advisors and just people in my network, we realized very quickly we needed to conserve cash and extend our runway. Nobody knew what was going to be happening. Um, and we had invested a lot in our target launch. So, you know, we're, we were maybe in a better position than some young brands, but not in the best position either to, to be hit with a, a pandemic that we had no idea how long it's going to last and how it's going to impact. All of that said, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that we were financially secure so we could ride through this pandemic, um, you know, as, and then come out of it in a strong way and continue to grow. And one of the things I did was, you know, start really looking into alternative financing options. Um, you know, of course, there's always raising capital. We have raised capital via a seed round um, to date, but what other ways would there be to support the business? And I was blown away by how much in how how many I guess new financing options, financing startups, if startups financing startups um, were available. And that has been, I think it's just been really eye-opening for me and also sort of realizing you always kind of think broadly and not just rely on the one obvious solution when it comes to financing. You could probably apply this to other things as well. The obvious solution might be go raise more capital. Go go raise more capital, but you know, forgetting about being diluted. And if that's, if you're concerned about that or not, just, you know, is that always the best approach and are there other options? So a couple of the examples um, that, that we encountered, some of which we have used and some of which we haven't have been, um, you know, certainly we already had happened to have a, a revolving line of credit, um, but certainly going out and acquire that, there was actually, um, there's a lot of new companies that are financing startups, um, startups in specific places, in specific spaces, doing specific things, D to C only, retail only, um, that are providing, that are lending against POs, lending against your inventory, lending against uh, AR, um, and any combination of those, because you can probably develop several lines. But then there's also, you know, a PO crowdfunding platform like KickFurther, which was sort of really interesting and unique. And you can have a line against existing inventory, but then finance new inventory with KickFurther and sort of diversify your financing and maybe even save some money um, in the process on the on the points or fees. There's, you know, solutions that are more D2C um, focused like ClearBank and, and a whole number of others uh, that are, you know, sort of financing your against your D2C sales. And so almost like bringing cash flow forward and I mean, I have a spreadsheet of a dozen or more of these that we that we looked at and we, you know, we looked and saw, I think we found a few solutions that worked for us. Um, but it's also really good to know that we have other options in our back pocket as we go into next year. Um, capital raising, raising capital in the traditional way, if you will, is still going to be important. But I think it's good to have a balanced approach. And, you know, it's not always about equity. There's really good debt solutions, too, depending on, you know, what your future outlook looks like. And then the other risky move that you made and really paid off for you was your new hire of it was a sales. Can you tell us more about your salesperson that you hired? Yeah. So going into the pandemic, we actually were were hiring in a pretty big way. We had, you know, um, we were ready to grow the team. 
kind of, you know, we were going into target, we had, um, you know, a lot of acceleration happening. What we did ultimately pull back on some of the hires, but the one hire that we went forward with, we had already identified the candidate um, was a, a head of sales or VP of retail sales. And, you know, looking ahead, the one thing that we need to do in the face of uncertainty is ensure that we're securing, you know, a sale of sales path forward for the future. So, um, it did, it was a big risk. We talked openly with, um, you know, our incredible VP of sales who we cannot say the most amazing, we cannot say enough about, she's just amazing. Um, and this is a risk that really paid off, but we talked openly up front saying, Hey, none of us know what's going on. Here's where the business is. I want to make sure that we're both going into this eyes wide open so that we can both feel good about it. And it is a risky time. But if you want to come on board, we believe that you are the best woman for the job, the best person for the job. And we would love to partner with you and have you be part of the team. She came in, she hit the ground sprinting, and we have been able to actually you know, get a lot of traction with our retail channel. Um, we're expanding in retail. We've added a few retailers this year, and we are adding quite a number of new retailers next year. And we're having really productive conversations that just developing that roadmap and that that path forward for 2021, 22 and beyond. Um, so that was a risk that definitely paid off. And I think being able to have open communication up front really kind of helps it um, so somewhat de-risk it. Uh, you can't change what's, hap what's happening in the market, but at least you can know that you're holding hands and you're both working sort of with the same information and then go from there. So you were talking earlier about shifting really to making decisions with your gut. And so was there something just that told you this was the right move that was really right there for you? Um, I guess, yes, I'd say reasoned gut. Um, you know, when I was looking at, you know, in the middle of pulling everything back to make the decision to move forward with it, you know, this investment, um, yeah, it was absolutely a risk, but you can only pull back. So you can pull back you, you, you pull everything back, you're stopping your business. So it's sort of about, you know, where do you pull back and where do you, you know, maintain and then where do you maybe lean in? And so it was sort of strategic analysis, but there's, you can't put any data behind it. And it was a gut to say, hey, if we need to invest in anything right now that will pay off in the near term and long term, what's it going to be? It's going to be sales. And so we think we have the right person to, you know, to, to, to take this business to the next level and be part of our team. And so we're going to go for it. We'd love to hear about some of those new products, Allison. What did you roll out in addition to the safety deodorant? Yeah, so uh, we actually rolled out um, a hand sanitizer, like I mentioned, and then we rolled out this bar soap very recently. We took a little bit more time with it. And it's a product that we're really proud of. Um, it does a, it, it's a probiotic bar soap that's also infused with kukui seed oil. It leaves your skin so soft and smooth and it, it feels great in the hand. It's, it's got everything we would want in it, um, to live up to the type A name in terms of an exceptional product experience. Um, but also I think we're delivering, you know, a, a relevant expansion into like a sort of a, an adjacent category. It's a new category for us. So we get to kind of now play with being a brand that's not just all about deodorant. Our deodorant's phenomenal. We're known for it. Um, you know, it is a clean deodorant that helps you make the switch and stick to that switch because it's easy to use and not a sacrifice. But, um, you know, the bar soap sort of 
you know, follows along that same path. And we've also launched a hand cream. We really started to look at what is it that, you know, people need right now, but that also they're going to continue to need down the line. And, you know, a lot of dry hands out there with all this hand washing and hand sanitizing. Um, though I think ours does moisturize, but the hand cream has also been, you know, sort of really great, um, and super well received. And so it's been exciting for us to explore this new territory and, um, also sort of define sort of new innovation, new ingredient innovation, um, and, and, and bring that forward really quickly. So here it is. Uh, Allison, we always have a final question. We try to dig in a little bit to each person and make it specific and personal. So we know that um, type A deodorant, definitely it, it, it gets its name honestly, and it performs honestly. Yeah. Um, and you describe yourself as an overachiever. So the question is this, is there a part of your life where you're not an overachiever or where you think that it's important to not be an overachiever? That's a great question. Um, yes, absolutely. I, one of the things that I've learned, I'd say, and probably, you know, over the course of my thirties <laughs> and, and I'm now in my forties, um, has been to sort of consciously choose where to pull back. So, I, that's something that I've had to really practice when I said almost four years ago to my husband, Hey, I have this idea <laughs> for, a, for a product that, that isn't out there. And I think needs to be out there, deserves to be out there. It can help people. And he said, you should go for it. That was the beginning of really ramping up conscious, you know, consciously choosing to, you know, engage less or pull back. And that's, that's been what's really made this all possible. So, you know, I think some examples are, um, you know, I have young children and, um, you know, I, I want to do everything. I want to be part of everything, but just sort of making sure that I'm present and giving them what they need. Um, but also delegating a lot to my husband and saying, I, you know, consciously uh, choosing and knowing, um, that I can't be part of this. It's a, for a really good reason. Um, whether it's like preschool drop-offs and pickups, I love doing them. I don't do them often. You know, I need to be able to focus, but my son gets everything he needs from me in terms of attention. And I fill up his cup when I'm with him. So, um, you know, I think also socially I've, um, I, I, I have a lot of FOMO. I will want to go out. I will want to be part of events and just, you know, really saying I'm going to prioritize and make sure that, you know, I'm not depriving myself, but I'm, um, I'm, you know, maybe pulling back in a way that I wouldn't have when I was younger. Um, I'm not the room parent. I'm not the, <laughs> I'm not on the PTA, um, you know, maybe one day later in life, but you can't do everything. You have to make some choices. And sometimes, and sometimes you just have to say, you know, I've done everything I can and just stop charging forward. You just can't go all the time at full pelt. Yeah. So I mean, I'm like, I'd be, I still beat myself, you know, I'm not beating myself up, but I have the guilt. Like I, I'm like, oh, I wish I was doing this time. And then I'm like, okay, what's really like, is this important? Um, you know, you have to, even if I didn't have my own business, like you can't be every place all the time at, you know, a hundred percent. And I think we just, you know, I don't know if as women or in general, but I think as women, we do beat ourselves up a lot for not being perfect. And, um, I very, um, like everybody else, like I do that too. I just try to catch myself. And um, I think that's the best we can do. 
like to retrain. Great advice. So Allison, where can people find out more about type A brands? Well, you can go to our website, typeadeodorant.com. And you can also go to our Instagram. It's at type A deodorant. Uh, we are on Amazon, um, Target, Meyer, Credo Beauty, Goop, and a few other select and, and more to come. Um, those are probably the best ways to find us and, you know, reach out, give us a shout, tell us what, what you're liking, what you're looking for. You know, we're always working to improve. We're a B Corp. So I think it's just in our blood and nature to say, you know, we want to do good by all stakeholders and use this business to be a force for good. So if you can have, you have any suggestions of how we can do that better and feedback, we love to hear it. So yeah, give us a shout. Allison Moss of Type A, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us today. You guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a message, uh, subscribe, and definitely go and check out some of Type A's products. We will see you next time. Hey guys, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your friends and colleagues who also have to navigate this leadership stuff. As you can see, this project is about to be a mini masterclass in every episode. Best part, it's free. So if you like it, please do us a favor and take a screenshot, share it on social with the hashtag 100CEO. That's 100CEO. That way we can say thanks and share it in our stories. And finally, if you've got some insights you'd like to share and you're a CEO, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at 100ceoproject.com or on LinkedIn at the 100 CEO Project. Until next time, keep leading by example.